This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Footy live in 4K Ultra HD, only on Foxtel. Book your service today at Barrick BMW. Make your own rules at any time fitness. The Run Home with Andy and Gazy. Good afternoon. No Andy, no Gazy, but it's an early edition of The Run Home. Two and a half hours of power, midday mayhem, midday madness, midday minutia, whatever you want to call us. Uh, get on the line, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We kick it off with the Trady Hour, thanks to Ace Gutters, Australian-made, built to last. And get on the King Island Open line, of course. Play King Island's Pure Links Golf Courses, which Gazy and Andy and Justin from Heidelberg, who won the quiz yesterday, are going to be lucky enough to do on Monday and Tuesday when the boys uh, do their show from King Island. Uh, so make sure you're listening uh, to that one, of course. Gazy on his way to Sydney as we speak for another bigger sporting event uh, this weekend. Game one of the NBL Finals tonight in Sydney. Best of five series between the Kings and the Breakers. But what a smorgasbord of sport it was last night, as we said with Sam uh, ending uh, the captain's run there. It did feel like footy season. Two games of footy. Um, well, three games over the day, but two last night. You had the NRL getting underway with a fabulous finish. Uh, the Melbourne Storm and the Eels in uh, Golden Point. Cam Munster, what a performance from Cam Munster. You can't gloss over that. Compound fracture of the finger. Comes back on, has an influence, plays out the game and plays a key role uh, in Melbourne Storm's victory. So we'll speak to Frank Panisi around about quarter past one this afternoon. Just get the latest on, on how long Cam Munster is expected to miss uh, they got another injury last night uh, with Xavier Coates, but just continuing that remarkable uh, round one record for Craig Bellamy. He hasn't lost one at the Melbourne Storm in 21 consecutive seasons. Unbelievable. So great start for the Storm last night. And obviously all eyes on the cricket. 76 today. So give us a call, one three hundred seven three six seven three six, or send us through a 40 Winks temper. Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Winks serious about sleep. What are your predictions today? 76 seems like a big total uh, on this pitch. I've got one here already. Uh, one for 53 at lunch. Collapsed to be nine for 72. Todd Murphy's first test run to French Cup for four and proved to be the winning run. So you, you're confident the Aussies are going to peel off these runs? Are you very nervous given how hard it has been to bat on this wicket? Uh, happy to take your calls. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Also joining us on the show today, uh, former Collingwood star in the AFLW, now Sydney's or marquee player. Now, Chloe Malloy will join us uh, out of one o'clock. We'll get over to India uh, with Adam Collins as well. Lindsay Smith will join us, uh, leading trainer ahead of Australian Guineas Day tomorrow. We'll also talk some all-star mile uh, with him as well. So that is all coming up on the show. But uh, let's get to the phones. Uh, Mike from Geelong is going to kick us off. So we're talking Storm. We're talking cricket. Anything you took out of the AFL practice matches uh, last night, or if you're heading along down to Moorabbin today, for example, St Kilda versus Essendon, or if you're a Blues fan, you're going to watch tonight uh, up against the Sydney Swans. Uh, give us a call as well. Let's start with Mike in Geelong. G'day, Mike. G'day, Jules. How are you going, mate? I'm well, mate. How are you? Good, good. Hey, I just wanted to touch on what you've just um, brought up with Cameron Munster last night, mate. I've never seen 
to do such an injury and then come back out and play on and actually still have an impact in the game, it was real impressive. It was, yeah, it was a great game to watch again as well and to have that um, round one streak continuing, it, it was, yeah, just overall fantastic. And we don't see, I don't feel like we see many compound fractures in footy, but if we do, I'm sure the player doesn't come back on. I don't know. We've had a few in cricket over the years, but I, I turned over at half time, and I and it was exactly the time when they were wrapping up the injury. And I thought, oh, he's gone for the night. He's probably gone for who knows four, six weeks. And then I turned back over, and he was back out there running out for the second half, which was uh, absolutely an unbelievable performance. Uh, Mike, uh, thanks for your call for kicking us off uh, a fifty dollar Lacabra voucher, the goat of Melbourne Mexican food, uh, Lacabra. Let's get to Jeff in Manor Lakes, who wants to talk cricket. Hey, Jeff. G'day, uh, Jules. Um, I spoke to the guys on breakfast this morning and I'll probably need to clarify a little bit of what I spoke to them about. Yep. I said to them, well, one, we need to we need to have this wrapped up by about 25th over. Whilst the ball is hard, once the ball gets soft, that's when we will really struggle. So what I said to them was, you know, head beats go out and just play his natural game and hopefully he can you know, make some quick runs and get a smoothie. Once he goes out, I bring in Mitch Stark to do exactly the same thing. Because if we've got to use Mitch Stark batting at number eight, then we're probably screwed. But doesn't that so show... Does that, sorry, Jeff, does that show a little bit of uh, panic if we're bringing Mitch Stark in at number three? No, I don't think it means panic. What it means is that we're trying to take the game on. Like I said, at bottom order, it's done nothing this series except yeah. for no, it's been, one, it's one been six out, all out, basically. No, that's right. So that's why I'm saying if you bring Stark in at number three, we're not going to lose anything if he goes out for a duck, okay? Because mm-hmm. he's probably going to do that up the lower order anyway. But if he can peel off 20 quick runs, then, gee, that's going to set us right up. Uh, it's an interesting thought, Jeff. And, look, I think we've seen from both teams in this test match, there's, there's certainly been pretty aggressive batting because they, they know it's not a pitch you can really hang around uh, on. So the scoring rate, despite the pitch being quite difficult, has been pretty good. So I think that'll be the case with Australia today. Travis Head will come out, play his natural game, and if the Aussies can get to none to 20, none for 30, uh, they're well on their way. But it'll be fascinating viewing again and listening on SEM Cricket. It's just been one of those matches. Well, it's been a series, really, that you, you haven't been able to take your eye off. Now, whether you agree with the nature of the pitches or you think they've actually gone too far the other way and they've been too hard for batting, I don't think you can deny it's been uh, much watch cricket. We'll be doing that again this afternoon. Thank you, Jeff. Let's get to Cameron in Crib Point. G'day, Cam. Hi, mate. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, bloody good after last night. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Nathan Lyon, that beautiful, bald-headed bastard, mate, he absolutely made my night. I had to be up at four in the morning to go to work, and I'll tell you what, I just couldn't go to bed. I was that cheated up watching him bowl. That's one of the best performances I've seen in years. I was ready to get on my knees and suck him off. Uh, well, we don't think we have to go that far. I think we got rid of that, didn't we, uh, A-Rod? Yeah, no, pretty excited about uh, Nathan Lyon. I'm not sure I was that excited about it, but he did bowl uh, very, very well. And he's had some oh critics boy. He's had some critics about um, his ability to, you know, 
second innings of test matches or fourth innings of test matches. I know this is only the third innings uh, to knock a team over, but he did that last night uh, with eight wickets. And this, the catch from Steve Smith off Pajara is one of the all-time great catches, given him, you know, Carey was uh, almost in his way a little bit. He went one way, had to go back the other. And that, that is, I think if Australia win the test match, that was the turning point because it looked like when Pajara and Ashwin were at the crease, you know, they could get a lead 120, 130, which would have been, so difficult uh, to to chase down on this wicket. Not the 76 is going to be easy, but I think it was anything over 120. We would have been uh, in real trouble. Uh, let's just get back on track with Gabe on the road. G'day, Gabe. G'day, Jules. It's as simple as this. Kawaja or Head, they need to, one of them needs to make in the 30s, and then Smith or Lavashang, if they one of those two can get a 20-odd, it's in the bag, in the bag. That's how easy it is. Yeah, that, it is. It, it, it doesn't need anyone to make a 50. Only needs a couple to make 20, and we're basically there. It's just, oh, this, the start's just so important, isn't it? You know, with the, with the way it's played in India and the, the crowd noise and the momentum in, uh, India will get if they knock over a couple of er, early and uh, get stuck into our middle order, it, it, it's going to be uh, a lot of pressure. But Australia should win. I mean, they're red-hot favourite to win. 76, despite the pitch, should be gettable. But, oh. You just can't take your eye off it, as we say. Let's get to Margaret in Sunbury. I'm not. Margaret, what are you going to be watching? Cricket? The Blues? What are you going to be watching tonight? Well, of course, the boys. Now, you say it quick. Yes, 75 is not much to get. But you know what? This wicket is like 200 to get. No, that's true, Margaret. If they don't dig in like old Pajara did, and if they only get 20 each... That's, that's all they've got to worry about, but dig in and get the 20. None of this big bash and stuff, because that won't get us anywhere. They'll just go bang, bang, bang out if they start that. And the umpires, are, well, they're a bit dodgy. They don't know whether they're coming or going. <laughs> oh, they've missed some pretty bad ones in this test match, haven't they, they Margaret? They've missed some shockers. They're a bit dodgy. I'll, I'll change them. They want to rest. They have missed some plum LBWs in this test match, which is which has been unbelievable. So... It, you confident we'll get the runs, Margaret? Are you nervous? How do you think it's going to play out? I'm very nervous. I think that if they, if it all depends on how they start off. If Kawaja and and uh, Head can get a, a start, they don't have to get a fifty, like you said. If they can get a start and dig in and get the boys off the off the good start, we've got a damn good chance. But if they come out and bash, 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 bash. No, they'll go out one by one. They'll oh, go out. Well, hopefully we just pe- nervous and sick. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully yeah. we just peel off the runs nice and easily, Margaret. Then you can sit back and watch your Blues tonight. What are you, what are you looking for with the Blues this uh, this evening? We know they've they've rested some of the big guns, and they're still no, you know, so Sammy Walsh. So they've done that. I'm glad they've rested a couple. It's n- n- no need to have them out all these in the practice games. Um, Look, I'm looking forward to a much better year. They've promised us a better year, and uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. Looking forward to some improvement and seeing some of the old gutsy cricket football back. Beautiful, Margaret. Uh, enjoy. Uh, good luck to the Aussies. Uh, good luck to the Blues tonight. Let's just hope no injuries. That's well, you know, I saw Paddy Lipinski yesterday. You don't want those injuries uh, on the eve of the season. Let's get uh, to Darren in Blackburn, who wants to talk about a little bit of everything. Hey, Darren. A little bit of everything. First up, oh, Harry Grant, didn't you have them all fooled? Think he's going for the goal. And oh, he's brilliant, wasn't it? Stuck over the line. 
just snuck over the line. I've never heard 20,000 people go quite so Ooh, quickly. It wasn't was, it? Quiet, uh, wasn't it? They are just, they are just wonderful. Anyone checking um, on Phil Gould? How did he react to the news that Harry Grant got uh, over the line late? I, I was watching it on um, on uh, Fox NRL, yeah, between that and the cricket and a bit of the footy and everything. And, um, and yeah, well, you know... Uh, I don't think Vossi's the biggest Storm fan going around. I think uh, none of the commentators seem to uh, be fully supportive of the Storm, but I that's another that... story altogether. And then uh, I watched, uh, watched the flicky between the pies and the cricket, which was uh, very good. Thankfully, the cricketers are very good in getting a few wickets during the uh, quarter time. Yeah, that was and, nice uh, of them. Half-time breaks. It was very, very kind of them. And I was very excited about Nathan Lyon as well, but not as excited as some. But, um, yes, good point. When we when we talk about the cricket jewels and Margaret, uh, I always love hearing what Margaret has to say. She said, you know, a few contributions of twenty here and there will get the job done. Every batsman just needs to make seven runs, Julian. That's if every batsman pretty... makes seven runs, well, as someone good. pointed out too, India had twenty-two extras in their first inning, so probably the bat the, on that average, the batters only have to make fifty, and we're there. <laughs> well, they make five good. each. Her point about the umpires is very good because there's been some absolute... Oh, hasn't there been some howlers in this one? And then here's the one they gave Cameron Green out. It's barely clipping the top yep. of the leg bail. But, um, look, one thing's for sure. If the if the Aussies do get up and get this win, you can back it in that there'll be a shift in pitch presentation because the next one will be an absolute road <laughs> where 20 wickets will be completely and utterly impossible to well, get. Well, it hasn't really helped their batters, this pitch, has it either? So uh, it'll be interesting to see what they wheel out. So you, are you a pies man, Darren, did you say? Yes, I, I, I am. What? I am um, a rabid pies what man. You, what have you made of their two uh, practice games so far? Obviously, yeah, pretty tough start to the season well, against the Cats in round one, but what have you made of their two hit-outs so far? Well, well, let's let, let's get it. The first was match simulation. That was actually a really good game. The ball was that was quite a good game. I agree with that. Yeah, just shooting up and down, and and I was actually pretty impressed with Hawthorne yesterday too. Um, I think um, just from uh, I've recorded, I'll go back and have a look. But um, I think the mantra might have gone out. Let, let's let's not go too hard on the tackling because there was a there was a lot of corralling and yeah, it was pretty open, um, wasn't it? It was a pretty open game yeah, of footy. That's exactly right. So. Look, you always take good things out of it. I think uh, the thing for me is, I mean, Collingwood's A-grade midfield was out there was when they were sort of dominating the game a bit more. And when uh, they came off and a few others went in there, then they're not so. But um, I'm not sure tagging a second-year player in a practice game um, is is what it's about. I'm not going to tell Sam Mitchell how to coach, but... Uh, you know, if that's, that's something they're looking at implementing as a season-long strategy about, you know, tagging some prime movers from opposition, then, then so be it. You know, that might be the reason behind it. But, um, yeah. And anyway, um, it was just good to have a little bit of footy back in a supermarket of sport on TV, Jules. Absolutely. Uh, enjoy tonight, Darren. Yeah, that, I don't remember too many players being tagged in practice games, even the old Ansett Cup and Foster's Cup Grand Finals. I don't think there was any tagging going on, but uh, fair enough. Nothing wrong with uh, teaching players. And uh, Finn McGinnis is pretty good at it. Uh, Spiros and Billy, hang on. We'll get you on the other side of the break. You can join us too. one 736 736 on the King Island Open Line. Play King Island's Pure Links Golf Courses. The run home is here for Berwick BMW. Book your service today at Berwick BMW. Foxtel, footy live in 4K Ultra HD, only on Foxtel. And Anytime Fitness, 
Make your own rules at any time fitness. Welcome back to the show. Julian DeStoop sitting in for Andy and Gazy. This is the Tradies Hour for Ace Gutters, Australian-made build to last. It's a quick sports update for Simmons, the great Australian builder. Started by one tradie with a dream in 1949, now building thousands of Aussie homes. Uh, the Vicks currently three for 83, chasing New South Wales first innings of 203 uh, in their Shield match up there at Lavington. Harris, 33 not out. Callaway, uh, three not out. Uh, Mitch Perry, the top scorer so far. Night Watchman, I would assume, at number three uh, with 45. But uh, let's get back uh, to the King Island open line. Uh, Spiros from Carnegie's been hanging on. Thanks for holding, Spiros. No worries, Julian. Uh, where do you think Bancroft's at with uh, Australian cricket? Like, he's made four, uh, I think, four first-class centuries in the Shield. And I know they're playing, I think they're batting, I'm not sure where he's at now. They're playing uh, Western Australia, I think, are playing uh, a Tassie. Um, and I think to so, see how he goes there. Is he still in line for, like, is, is a test team for actually England actually been selected? Or no, not yet. No, that? I think he has to be next opener in, doesn't he, with the, the season that he's had. He's, uh, he's out for 28 uh, in that game today uh, against the Tigers. So okay. Tassie 179, Western Australia 1 for 67. Yeah, I think he is clearly the in-form opener outside of the test team. And they've got a big decision to make with David Warner. Do they, I think, they, I think they'll pick him in the squad for England, but they'll have to take another opener over. And I think Bancroft, Deserves to have his head in front. I know um, Marcus Harris has has been in the squad, but uh, he hasn't got a chance. He hasn't bashed the door down at shield level uh, so far since returning. I think he made one century. But, yeah, I think Bancroft's a very good chance uh, to be on the plane uh, for that uh, for that tour. Do you think that should be the case, Spiros? I think he should go. I mean, just if you're going to pick players, if you're going to pick players um, directly on form, um, I don't know. Is he, is he, well, that's my opinion. But do you, what is he still being penalised for what happened in South Africa? I don't think um, so. No, I don't think so. I think this is really... Look, I don't follow it as closely as some, but I think this is the best season he's probably had domestically since then, and therefore that's why his name's back in the frame. But no, there's, there, there's no lingering uh, punishment from what happened there in, in the eyes of the selectors. Uh, I wouldn't have thought. Uh, thanks for your call, Spiros. Let's get to Billy in Frankston. G'day, Billy. Hey, buddy. How you doing? I'm good, mate. How are you? All right. Um, now, I've got three questions for you, you being a sports guru. I'm, is um, Kawaja, he, he went off with a calf strain uh, last night. Do you think he's going to be up to it? Uh, I think so, yeah. They, they said he was sort of cramping up when he was batting in the first innings and he sort of woke up yesterday uh, with a bit of, I guess, ongoing or lingering uh, Discomfort, and therefore that's why he didn't feel. But, yeah, I'm sure he'll be okay uh, to get out there and uh, bat. And, look, he doesn't have to be at the crease too long. So hopefully that's not something that affects him. So I think he'll be okay, Billy. And 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 did you hear that the uh, curator of the grounds got the sack? I haven't heard that. The, what, the curator in oh. indoor? Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I think he's the same one that's done the last three tests. They wouldn't have the same curator going around from ground to ground, wouldn't they? Wouldn't each ground have their own curator? I don't know. I'm mm. asking the question. <laughs> I don't know, Alan. No, I haven't heard that. No, I haven't heard that. I'd be surprised if each ground doesn't have their own curator. The championship work. If we win this test, are we like automatically test champions, or do we have to play off? No, we've got to play off. Uh, the final is in at Lords uh, just before June 16, just before the Ashes 
uh, start. So, no, uh, the only way we could miss, basically, is if we lose this series 4-0 and Sri Lanka beat New Zealand 2-0 in New Zealand. So, highly unlikely, but as long as we uh, don't lose this test match, we're there. But we're still going to play someone uh, in the final at Lords on June 16. Now, Billy, uh, thanks for your call. Alan on the road, stick around. We'll get to you uh, after the news. Uh, so uh, just hang on for us. Uh, just a reminder, uh, coming up on the show, Chloe Malloy after one, Frank Panisi as well, to talk about the Melbourne Storm. And hopefully he might have some sort of update on Cam Munster uh, for us. Uh, Lindsay Smith uh, ahead of uh, Australian Guineas tomorrow. We'll also talk... Uh, a little bit of All-Star Mile. So that's on next uh, Saturday. He's got a runner uh, in the All-Star Mile. So if you want to get your tickets for the All-Star Mile, they're still available. Uh, it's at Mooney Valley this year, allstarmile.com.au. And another big event in town this weekend is the Super Rugby. Um, got the all the matches uh, here in Melbourne. So the Rebels uh, play tonight against the Hurricanes, uh, where the Reds play the force on Sunday. We're going to speak to a man that... Many Melbourne sports fans would be very familiar with Selassie Vanavalu, who used to play for the Storm. He's now playing for the Reds. He played two premierships for the Storm. He's hoping to play for the Wallabies uh, in the World Cup this year. He's going to join us in about 10 minutes' time. I miss you. Thank you, Chelsea. Uh, as correctly pointed out off the 40 Winks temper, of course, Uzi Kawaja did come back on the field and took that great catch uh, last night as well. And uh, just a bit of feedback about the groundsman off the back of that uh, question. Seems to be the feedback off the 40 Winks temper. I might ask Adam Collins this when he joins us uh, in about an hour's time. Uh, But it seems to be the sentiment is each ground has a groundsman, but India have a head groundsman that travels around to each test ground and makes the final decision. Uh, So that's coming through pretty strongly off the 40 Winks temper. Let's get back to the King Island Open Line, play King Island's Pure Links golf courses. Uh, Alan on the road wants to talk some footy. Get out. Actually, uh, hey, Tolina, I'm actually working from home myself anyway, but can I just, uh, I have an observation about the game last night, and I just want to um, say something. You know, always getting excited about, I guess, the game that Hawthorne played, but I guess the comparison to the week before, and I've always thought about this, teams cannot spread, and if you plug up the, this uh, center corridor, most teams will get smashed at Geelong, and I think that's really, I mean, that's not for ourselves. Geelong is the better, best team right now in the league. But but that was just a comparison because you've got nowhere to go at Mickey Mouse Stadium, you know, with the wings being 27 metres, you know, less wide than anywhere else. So teams cannot spread. And if you clock up the centre, and they know how to play that game. Like, they were kicking goals from the pocket like it was because, you know, they have no depth. So it was almost like, um, you know, target practice. So I wonder what you think about that. I just think that um, surely Geelong is not 20 or 30 times better than Collingwood. And, you know, they have a no. No, of course they're not, Alan. And I think people have got to be... I mean, we all get excited about the footy back and, and people are trying to, you know, read into these practice matches and there's little things you can take out of it, more positional or individual players, but really don't read anything into the results. I mean, as you say, it was at Geelong. Geelong's one of the most experienced teams in the competition. Had a very strong team in uh, last week. Hawthorne, one of the most inexperienced teams in the competition. Had some pretty important players didn't play that we saw last night, like um, Jath and, and Bruce. Uh, back in their side. So, yeah, I don't read anything into these practice matches. And as one of the previous callers said, it was a pretty open, bruise-free sort of game last night. So, yeah, I, I, you know, you take, from a Hawthorne point of view, 
you know, some of the individuals last night were good. And you're looking for the new players. Fergus Green, three goals again. McKenzie was very good, looked really composed with the footy inside 50. James Warple, who's going to get more chances in that midfield with Tom Mitchell and, and Jagro Mira there, not there, looked pretty good with 30 disposals. But in terms of the, the result and the margin and, and things like that, I just don't read anything uh, into these games. And if you can get through unscathed, uh, that is a bonus as well. It's all beautiful if you're a hawk right now. A-Rod is getting far too carried away about their performance last night, even though it seemed like by Twitter he was quite emotional uh, about it. Uh, now, there's about 106,000 people last night that didn't see any of this sport we're talking about. They're at Ed Sheeran. What a crowd. 106,000 for Ed Sheeran. Imagine if his music was good. Um, no, he's not bad. He's not bad. But uh, well done to everyone that got out to the G last night. It's uh, the biggest crowd he's ever played in front of. Uh, so well done to everyone that uh, went along. Okay, let's get a breakaway. You're with the run home. Uh, jam-packed edition between now and 2.30 before we cross over to indoor for day three and certainly will be the final day of this uh, third test match between India and Australia. We're here for Berwick BMW. Book your service today at Berwick BMW, Foxtel, footy live in 4K Ultra HD, only on Foxtel. And Anytime Fitness, make your own rules at Anytime Fitness. Oh, yeah, like I say, he's, I think he broke a bone that's, and it's you know, come out of the skin, so he'll need an operation. So, yeah, pretty brave. Got an injection, they taped it up and you finish the game for us. It's hard months, though, because there's a little bit of GST there sometimes. But, um, <laughs> no, nah, to be fair... When he went off, I was thinking, geez, could be a bit of trouble here. And then at half time, he'd come out very vocal. It's probably the loudest I've seen him. And he just took the reins. And I think good players, great players like that, just gives confidence to the group um, that they just do their role. And someone like Munster will create something like we saw in that try. So it was a really big effort for him. And I know when he's on the field, the people around him are confident. I think that's what the great players do well. That was Craig Bellamy and Melbourne Storm captain Christian Welsh talking about the bravery of Cam at Munster last night in the Storm's Golden Point win over the Parramatta Eels. Now, one man that knows all about the Melbourne Storm and Craig Bellamy and played with Cam Munster is Selassie Vunavalu, who's back in Melbourne uh, as part of the Queensland Reds team, which is about to play in the Super Rugby Round uh, at Amy Park. The Reds play the Force on Sunday tonight. The Rebels play the Hurricanes. And uh, Selassie's been good enough to join us. Uh, Good afternoon. Good afternoon, mate. Welcome back to Melbourne for a start. Before we get stuck into the rugby, and obviously we've, we've got a World Cup year with the Wallabies as well, did you did you see any of the Melbourne Storm's performance last night, being a, a former favourite son of the club? <laughs> I did, I did. I was uh, back home at um, before seven to watch the game. So, yeah, really close game, but happy that um, we got that streak going on. It is an amazing streak, as we've mentioned, 21 years in a row that Melbourne Storm have won their opening game. Can you just give us an insight from a player's point of view? We've been talking about Cam Munster and the, and the bravery and the difficulty it would be playing uh, with a compound dislocation and, and maybe there was even a compound fracture there in the finger. How how brave was that from Cam Munster to be able to come back out and not only come back out but have a real impact in that second half of the Storm? Yeah, that was really brave from him. Um, I remember coming in this morning, we were um, um, speaking about that with a couple of the boys. We have a tipping comp here. So, yeah, I, I thought he was gone that um, that first half when he ran out, and then he came back came back in that second half looking more dangerous in the first half, setting up that try um, to Youngton up here. So, you know, big ups, big props to him. Um, yeah, hopefully uh, that thing is all right for the, next, uh, for the season. Of course, you're a two-time winner of premierships with Melbourne Storm. You're a try-scoring machine. You made the big switch uh, over to rugby. How have you found 
life in rugby so far? You've had you know a few injury problems with the hamstring in your first couple of years with the Reds. Um, how, how have you sort of found the transition so far, and how are you feeling in in what's a great year? I'm sure your ultimate aim is to be in that Wallaby squad for the for the upcoming World Cup. Yeah, I'm feeling good. Um, my first couple of years have been up and down, um, just with my hamstring injury. So, you know, this year I feel like more confident with myself. Um, you know, at the end of last year, I've been playing without any injuries. So, you know, that's a big positive that I can take on this year. So, yeah, just looking forward to playing some really good um, uh, footy this season. And then, yeah, with the Wallaby squad, and then they'll take care of itself. What what's the most difficult thing? We've seen a lot of players transition from from rugby league to rugby union. Some successfully, not not some not as successfully, and some have have come back to rugby league. For you, what have you found some of the the harder things in terms of transitioning from league to rugby? Uh, for myself, would be um, just yeah, just being on your feet. Um, you know, in league where I just sit on the wing and then there's a kick come or there's a play, then I'll I'll be busy, but. In union, you're more you're more of like a fullback in league. You, you have to stay busy, and then you have to contest the rock and stuff like that. So you know, that's the struggle thing that I found coming into um, union. So yeah. Speaking of Selassie Vunavalu, who's uh, in Melbourne playing for the Reds this weekend in the Super Rugby Super Round, they play the Force on Sunday. From what we read last year, you had some you know big offers to return. Uh, to the NRL, from you know, reports suggested the Dolphins were coming pretty hard. You, you signed on for an extra year uh, with the Australian Rugby Union. Was was that a tough decision for you? Did you seriously contemplate coming back to rugby league, or was it pretty straightforward to stay with rugby? Uh, I had a yeah, I, I had a bit of chat with my manager. Uh, we he sat and we spoke about a couple of things. You know, the main thing coming into union was uh, the main goal was trying to. Uh, wear that gold jersey, so you know I haven't really done that in my first couple of years. So you know I back myself. Um, you know that's still my goal this year in uh, the World Cup. So you know, like I said before, uh, my, my focus right now is just trying to play some good um, footy um, in this Super Rugby Pacific, and you know that goal will just um, will be on my performance for this season. Well, I guess the difference now at uh, Wallaby's level is you've got a new coach and you've got a, a well-known coach to everyone in Australian rugby, Eddie Jones. Has there been any contact with Eddie so far? No, I haven't really got in contact with him. Um, and I, I'll just not focus on that too much, focusing on this week with my with my preparation this week with the rugby and focusing on Brad, you know. So if I play well, and then maybe hopefully I'll get a call from him. And what about the Reds? There's obviously a tough start to the season last week against the Hurricanes. We saw the Force uh, beat the Rebels in a pretty close game uh, over in Perth. You've got the Force this week. Uh, what sort of went wrong from the team's uh, point of view last week and uh, how confident are you the team will bounce back against the Force on Sunday? Yeah, it was a pretty disappointing uh, um, last week's performance, for, especially to start off the season with. Um, and a New Zealand team to come and play in... Uh, you know, we took our home games there in um, uh, North Queensland. So, you know, we've uh, we've um, spoke about uh, the issues that we had, um, the, uh, our weaknesses last week. So, you know, this week uh, we'll, we'll work on that, and it's a good learning for us as well. So, we for that loss, so we can see like some of the weakness, weaknesses that we had in that uh, game. So, we'll 
be positive this week. I'm going up against the Force. So, yeah, Force are looking good. They had a good win uh, against the Rebels last week. So, yeah, looking forward to the matchup. And the, the round as a whole, it's not the first time we've had a Super Rugby round uh, here in Melbourne. All matches here in Melbourne. I mean, you played for the Storm, and we know the Storm have got a really, you know, good supporter base, passionate supporter base, and, and you know, it's just so well-respected uh, in this city. What do, what do you feel like the support is for, for the game of rugby uh, in Melbourne, not just the Rebels, but, you know, welcome back to the show. This is the Tradie Hour for Ace Gutters, Australian-made, built to last. I knew Swamp Thing had the answer to this question. We're talking about uh, Melbourne Storm, 21 consecutive victories in round one in Craig Bellamy's tenure. So what's the AFL-VFL equivalent for round one? It's eight in a row, Collingwood 26 to 33, Geelong 49 to 56. All-time record is Carlton's in round 14 from 04. 1904 to 1922, 18 in a row. Currently, check the fixture. Who's Fremantle playing in round 13? The Dockers have won their last nine round 13 matches. So that might Put be... on your Superman case, Yes, thank you, Rod. Uh, and just before I get to uh, John in Port Augusta, the, the guys up at uh, sen.com.au been running a great competition to find the greatest team of the century. We're down to the grand final. You can vote now right up until Sunday. It's the Cats of 2007, of course, won that grand final by a record margin of 119 points against Port Adelaide, lost four games for the season, up against the Bombers of 2000, who lost lost one game for the season and uh, beat the Demons by 10 goals even in the grand final. So at the moment, it's running about 58% Essendon, 42% Geelong. But the Bombers are way on top here. Should be further on top. Uh, But I'm not going to try and influence people's votes. We know who the winners should be. We know who the greatest team of the century is, but we'll leave it up to the good people to make sure they make the right call. Let's go to John in Port Augusta, who I'm sure was celebrating in 04 when Port Adelaide won the flag. G'day, John. Yes, you've got memories, I Not such a vote seven, but there you go. No, that's true. I, um, just on um, how Port Adelaide perceived in Victoria. Like, I'm talking about the history of the club, the Magpies, all the rest. And you're being very honest, because... I realise there's a slight level down the old SNFL from the then uh, VFL and all the rest of it. But it was a good competition, the old SNFL. Yeah, Great well, competition. It was a magnificent yeah, competition. No, I think, uh, John, yeah, to answer your question, I think there's great respect for Port Adelaide. Uh, for what they did in the SANFL and as, as an AFL club as well. I know they've only won the one flag, but they've been they've been in prelims. They've been in other grand finals, as you mentioned, in 2007. I'm more interested in how you think they'll go this year. I heard David King this morning saying he's a little bit concerned about um, the midfield for Port Adelaide. He thinks Jason Horn francis in time is going to be a really good player for Port through the middle, but not sure that's going to be the case in the short term from there. Two practice matches. I'm not sure how much you've seen of them, but uh, how are you feeling about this season? I saw a bit last night. I was more, I'm more acute to record it there. Come back because I was backwards and forwards between that and the cricket and whatever else. So I'll have a look at it probably another day. But um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm actually a fan of Ken Hinckley. Yeah, because there's no BS with him. And um, apparently, he tells the players what he tells the media is what he tells the lads. And um, he, he gave the club credibility when I was on his knees in 10, 11, 12, all the rest of it. Um, it was really on its knees. Gave the club credibility. So I realise he has not saluted. I understand that. And he's been there a long time. But um, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan because because there's no bear swim or this and just. Do you think I'm on the right track with Ken Eagle? Your thoughts? Uh, I like Ken, but it's a big year for Ken. There's there's no doubt about that. Um, there's got to be finals football uh, for Port Adelaide this year. I think they're one of those teams, a bit like the Western Bulldogs, that are a bit hard to get a read on. Um, so I'm not convinced they'll make the finals. I don't think there's going to be many coaching changes, if any, this year. We've seen Chris Fagan extend, John Longmire extend. Not that either of those two were under any immediate pressure, but I think the, the focus uh, on... The focus will go to Ken more than probably anyone uh, this year, particularly if Port get off to a slow start like they did last year. Thanks for your call, John. Round 13, 2023, Fremantle played Optus Stadium, looking for a 10th consecutive win in round 13 against Richmond. Fremantle, Richmond, round 13. So Richmond's going to have to break the streak there. We're going to change... Change tack to AFLW after 1 o'clock. Chloe Malloy is going to join us. Also, Frank Panisi and Adam Collins in the next hour on The Run Home. Thanks to Berwick BMW, Foxtel and Anytime. Welcome back to the show. Julian DeStoop sitting in for Andy Marr and Andrew Gaze. Big second hour coming up. We're going to touch base with the Storm and Frank Panisi after their remarkable win last night. Against the odds, really, against the Parramatta Eels in Golden Point. We're going to get over to indoor as we build up to day three, the final day of this test match between India and Australia. Of course, Australia needing 76 uh, to win and give themselves a chance to tie the series. We're going to talk some AFLW now. Chloe Malloy, if you think Collingwood AFLW in their existence so far, one of the names you certainly think of is Chloe Malloy. Best and fairest winner, two-time All-Australian, kicked 37 goals from her 47 games. With the pies, but all of a sudden she's a Sydney Swan and she joins us this afternoon. G'day, Chloe. G'day, Jules. Feeling big shoes today? Massive shoes. I don't think I'm up to it, Chloe, to be honest. But we're just uh, we're just battling on. How has this all come about? It feels from the outside it's happened really quickly. But uh, from your point of view, how's this process worked out? Yeah, it's probably come as a shock to a few people, but it's been um, it's been brewing for a little bit. Um, they the Swans. Um, you know, actually, last season um, it was well documented that they swung at a, a few big players, and um, one of them was me. And um, I didn't entertain as I had a year left on my contract. And then um, this year, I kind of just kind of did a bit of self reflection on me, more so as a person, Jules, rather rather so, and just thought, um, I think, you know, in life, I, I want to challenge myself with things, and um, it's not something I ever thought I would be considering leaving Collingwood, but um, it kind of brewed up and I got talking to Scotty and then I had some more conversations, met a few uh, key internal people and then, um, you know, they show you the picture of where you'll fit on the team and um, from there just progressed. So it's actually been um, brewing for a little bit and I, I let Collingwood know, um, you know, from an appropriate time um, so they could come back uh, and, you know, try to convince me to stay. So it's been happening behind the scenes for a while now. So clearly, you, you, I saw an interview you did the other day where you're quite emotional. So it's tough for you uh, to to leave Collingwood. But was there anything that you weren't happy with at Collingwood that that saw you look elsewhere? It, it is honestly the it was the hardest decision I've had to make in my career um, thus far. And some of the conversations I had to had and look people in the eye that um, I have built so much with and tell them that I am leaving because. The hardest thing was was nothing was wrong. I was not unhappy. There was no, you know, there was things obviously within four walls that you always want to get better at. Um, we weren't perfect, but 
I was certainly not unhappy. I'd, if anything, I was at my pinnacle in life. I, I had a good job. Uh, footy was going really well. Um, I, I was due for surgery on my back, so my body was going to get better. And um, we had Bree and Britta coming back. But, yeah, they kind of just took me by surprise and um, I weighed up the options. And I just thought that Sydney was the, the next evolution for Chloe Malloy. So definitely, definitely was not unhappy. It's been described as a, a long-term deal. Now, I'm not sure how many years that is, or I'm not sure if you're making public how many years that is, but was it in terms of the security and, and, and some other opportunities that maybe come that uh, played a part in it as well in terms of getting that long-term contract? Well, I just thought with, with where Sydney were at at the moment um, and AFRW, we've never had that ability to have security over two years. So um, it's a four-year deal with the option for a fifth and, um, with Sydney, I, I'm going to commit and I want to build something um, kind of from the ground up. I know they've had their first season, but um, they didn't register a win. So for me, I feel like it's still a fresh start for them. So I thought um, I want to, you know, commit long term and, and show Sydney that I, I want to be one of the marquee players for the club. I want to make footy something that in the state of Sydney. It's an NRL, um, you know, heavy state, but I want to bring... Football to the state. I want to bring my leadership to the team. Um, I want to see success with Scotty Gowans. And I just thought um, a long-term commitment would prove to Sydney that I wasn't coming over um, just for any other reason than to try build towards um, the ultimate success of, of a premiership. So that's why I, I wanted the long-term. You mentioned Scott Gowans a couple of times there, Chloe. You work with him at Collingwood. How important was the fact that he will be your coach uh, in this decision that you made? Yeah, he's, he he did play a huge part in it. And um, when he left Collingwood, he left uh, like abruptly because um, the AFL had brought in the expansion sides. And um, I was stoked for him. He's a he's a good person. And he was actually my first um, senior women's footy coach at Diamond Creek. And um, he, I feel like he's got a lot of belief in me. And that's not to say that Steve didn't. But, um, you know, you click with different people. And um, Steve challenged me on a lot of um, aspects of, of my playing career in the past couple of seasons. But um, for Scotty, I just, he's a coach that I connect well with. I feel like he um, will get the best out of me and that I'll get the best out of him as well. And we just have a, a friendship that goes back years now. And um, it's pretty cool to, to full circle it and being coached underneath him. Um, I just have a lot of respect for what he does and a lot of trust in him. And I think that, yeah, as a, a player being underneath him, I think I can take my game to another level. Speaking of Chloe Malloy, who's going to be a Sydney Swan, as you just heard there, for at least the next four years, possibly five, and who knows, uh, possibly longer. There's been a little bit of, um, I guess, controversy around uh, this priority sign and trade period. Um, there's been some big names already moved. I mean, Sydney have still got the option to sign a further, a maximum of a further four players without, without having to trade for them. I guess the good news from a Collingwood point of view, they can only lose one more player during this period, but... Can you understand why some of the clubs outside of the four expansion clubs are, have got their noses out of joint a little bit with these rules? Or do you think for the evenness of the competition, it's something that, that needed to come in? Look, I think I see both sides. Um, I think if I was another team, um, you almost pull the card. Well, that's a bit unfair. And you think about West Coast and the teams that come in, like even the Suns, there was never really any... Um, compensation or help for them. Um, but I think that's the evolving league that we're in is that, you know, where we're, we're trying to, we've finally got 18 teams. Um, we've got a whole competition and now it's just about building towards a product that, um, you know, we're all proud to be a part of. I mean, we all are, but 
um, building towards playing each other once. Um, I can definitely certainly see why the teams, you know, they're allowed to take and, and pretty much Collingwood um, in a way, not that they don't get anything from me, but I think if you if you put on paper um, what I've been able to do for the club, it, it doesn't really, uh, it seems unfair what they get in return. Um, but yeah, I do see both sides. I think there's a long way to go until the league is um, at a competitive balance and where all teams compete with each other um, evenly. But, yeah, I think there's things like this that need to happen and everyone, you know, you, can't, you win some, you lose heaps. And they, they brought in 80 teams and everyone was happy. You do this and people aren't happy. So um, I think either way, you've just kind of got to take the criticism with the wins. What about the fact, I mean, you're going from a club at Collingwood that's been, you know, pretty successful on the field, playing regular finals. You're going to a team now, as you said, that haven't registered a win in AFLW yet. Now we know that there might be some further really good players coming in to your footy club, but is that something you sort of weighed up in your decision-making that maybe short-term that you might be going into a team that where wins are going to be pretty hard to find? Yeah, and that's... I definitely, like, I'm not naive to the fact that Collingwood are, 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 are at the moment, way closer to the premiership window than Sydney are. Um, and I do realise that the teams are on opposite ends of the scale. Um, and I think that was kind of the enticing part, Jules, was it's going to test me. Um, there's going to be new challenges at Sydney um, because Collingwood, you know, we were winning games and we were making finals. And, um, you know, for three years in a row, we, we made a certain point of finals and um, just couldn't break the hoodoo of, of um, the prelim. Um, but... I, I've definitely weighed it up and I think um, I'm not saying it's going to be easy going to Sydney because um, it's frustrating when you don't win. We're competitors and you want to win. But I think my measure of success has to change and the mindset that I go into Sydney with um, is going to be a lot different than walking into the four walls of Collingwood. Yeah, absolutely. And as we say, who knows uh, which other players you might sign uh, in this little period. Um, what about, I mean, footy, it's a big change of footy. You're changing footy club, but... As you said before, you had a good job in Melbourne. You know, your life was great in Melbourne. Now you're, you're changing states. I'm assuming you might have to change jobs as well, potentially. How is that a bit daunting for you? Is that exciting? How do you look at the fact that not just your footy life will change, but your whole life changes? Yeah, I think that's, honestly, that's the most exciting part for me. Um, I'm a bit of a an adventure bug, I'm kind of always looking for something next and just kind of always been... Hustling, um, and I think uh, since COVID, it's kind of heightened my sense of just wanting to, to get out there and um, experience new things. And, um, you know, I'm grateful that footy can be a vehicle for that. And um, I don't know, I don't know a lot about Sydney. It's very foreign to me. Um, so if there's any Sydney listeners, listeners <laughs> listening and tuning in, please hit me up. Um, but I think that's the, the adventure of it, Jules, is going up. It's going to test my ability to network. Fox Sports have a, a studio yep. um, up in Sydney, so I'll be able to transfer that over. But, yeah, I think that's the whole point is is kind of going up with the bare minimum and seeing what I can do with it all. We're getting some uh, feedback off our 40 Winks temper. The first one was just a big boo, clearly a Collingwood fan that's disappointed. But another <laughs> one here, love Chloe. She's a pie for life and will always love her. Best of luck for her new footy adventure, says Tio. Another one shouted that Chloe is leaving the pies, but you absolutely can't blame her with the current landscape for AFLW players. She and everyone has every right to take the best deal they can and to set up the best possible future for themselves. Uh how are you going to feel when you run out against the Pies for the first time? Because we know you're a... Well, I remember talking to you before the, the men's prelim last year, a Collingwood fan. So how's it going to be uh, playing against the Pies? 
Uh, oh, I probably you probably have to get me on again to, to <laughs> give you probably a um a more in depth uh, analysis because I I don't think I've really um thought about it too much yet. I you know I'm yet to get up to Sydney. Um, I put the jersey on for photos, but um, I'm not ingrained into the Sydney um, environment just yet. Uh, and when I get up there, I'll I'll be sure to do that. But um, I think I'll probably it'll it'll be uh, I think a bittersweet moment. Um, I you know, you get out there and you want to beat the opposition and, and that's not going to change. But I'll always have a soft spot for Collingwood and for the players there and for the, you know, the, the players that make up the Collingwood side. Like, I always want them to do well. Um, I, I can't wait. A couple of them already said, that, you know, the, the band is going to start. And um, I love that. And I just want to compete. And um, I do love the colours of black and white and even, you know, the message of, you know, we love Chloe still. That, you know, that makes me emotional and, and it brought me to tears as you saw in the interview. So... Um, you have to get me on again, Jules, and see what I say. <laughs> no doubt we will. And just finally, before we let you go, Chloe, when do you make the move to Sydney? Um, I'll move up at the end of March. Um, I've just, I'm recovering um, from back surgery at the moment. So um, I've got a bit of a slow process and a slow rehab ahead. And then I'll um, get up into Sydney probably, yeah, late March, early April. Um, and, yeah, find my feet and get the, get the new threads on and get some training in. So what was the nature of the back surgery you had? Uh, well, shout out to Sammy Walsh, had a micro ah. uh, lumbar disectomy. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just it struggled throughout that with that throughout last season um, with the pies, did everything I could. Body never really um, cooperated with me for the past three years. Yep. And, yeah, it was just, it was just true. It was, uh, I think it's old age, what they call it. Please, you're a young, you're a young lady. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, I knew that would get you. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck with it all, Chloe. It's a great move for you. It's exciting for Sydney, and as we can see, there's still. I'm sure you'll be much loved at Collingwood uh, forever for what you contributed to that club. But thanks so much for joining us, and uh, I'm sure we'll chat to you uh, on the eve of the season as well. <laughs> Definitely. Thanks, George. You're a legend. Chloe Malloy, she is a star. She's on the way to Sydney for potentially five years and even longer. Let's get a breakaway. On the other side, we're going to turn our attention to the Melbourne Storm. Frank Panisi is going to join us after that fantastic win over the Eels last night. This is the run home for Berwick BMW. Book your service today at Berwick BMW. Foxtel, footy live in 4K Ultra HD, only on Foxtel. And Anytime Fitness, make your own rules at Anytime Fitness. Marshalling the troops around. Harry Grant from dummy half. Harry Grant takes oh. off. Harry Grant scores next to the post. And this brilliant, perfect record of Bellamy stays intact. Harry Grant, the match winner. Melbourne Storm have stolen it. 16 points to 12 at no stage of regular time with a Melbourne Storm in front. You go to extra time and Harry Grant goes bang. Just being so gutsy through you know the whole 80 minutes. Um, you know, I don't think we've been like that as a team probably the last 12 months. Um, so I thought we, we made some steps forward you know in that area and hopefully um, we can keep it up that was craig bellamy after last night's win and the the final play there this try from harry grant in golden point is called by nrl nation don't worry about bellamy's streak it's panisi's streak and frank panisi's been good enough to join us the general manager of football at melbourne storm uh, afternoon frank good afternoon julian you're taking credit for the streak aren't you don't worry about the coach I'd love to, but uh, no, that would be uh, stretching it a little bit. But no, it was a great effort by the everyone last night, uh, the players, the coaches. It was a tough game up there against last year's grand finalists at a, at a ground that we haven't beaten them at all in, in their short existence at the new stadium. And 
a team that we haven't beaten since the 2020 semi-final. So it was great to start off the season against a really good team. I was listening to uh, Craig Bellamy's uh, post-match uh, press conference alongside Christian Wells, and, and just listening to Craig, it sounded like with a couple of injuries that you had and the, and the seesaw nature of the game, it was a, a pretty stressful night for everyone up in the coach's box. It was, Julian. It was. Um, it just seems to be... Uh, I'm not sure it's about that stadium, but we, we've been there before last year. We had some big injuries there when we played round one. and But last night it was. We lost uh, Cameron Munster uh, in the first half just before half-time, and then it was... We didn't know whether he was going to return before half-time, and then we didn't know whether he was going to return at all. Uh, he did a fitness test at half-time, and he passed that. Uh, and then we had uh, Xavier Case went just after half-time as well with a shoulder injury. We had a few other players play with some injuries that, on the field as well. And, and as the commentator said in your intro, we, we never let it all uh, for the game. But uh, the matter that the players hung in, it's real credit and, and spoke about some of the things that Craig's been looking for, some of those qualities in the team that he thought we probably lacked a bit towards the back end of last year. I'll ask you about the injuries in a second. And you just touched on that, that final point you made. I, I thought that was really interesting listening to Craig uh, last night, and I think the the question came from Brent Reed, the journo, saying that you know some of those qualities that the, the Storm are renowned for, that fighting nature, went missing last year. Is that something? I'm assuming that's something you addressed over the summer, and, and I guess tried to work out why such a big part of the team's DNA, I guess, went missing at times last year. Yeah, it's an interesting point, Julian. I, look, the thing that Craig probably refers to mainly is about his the defence and it's an area of the game that he focuses on greatly and it's his major focus and last year like was it the year before we scored more points than any other team in the NRL uh, so scoring points wasn't a problem but you usually know what a, uh, a team's about with their defence and our defence slipped a bit last year to, especially in the second half of the season so uh, Craig and the coaches and the players have worked really hard over the off season in, you know, on our defence and also our ability to hang in uh, when things aren't going well. Probably another factor that Craig was talking about. That's, that's also been a major focus in, in our team this year as well uh, during the pre-season. So to see those um, come to fruition so early after one game um, and an important win was uh, really pleasing for everyone. Speaking to the general manager of football at Melbourne Storm, Frank Panisi, after the Storm's Golden Point win over the Eels in the NRL season opener last night. Is there any sort of fresh update on Cam Munster? Well, we've just got about half an hour or an hour ago. Uh, he's on his way to hospital and have surgery. We won't know till after he has surgery whether um, yeah, whether he'll miss any games and if he does miss the games, how many. We just hope it's just a, a, clean, wound, a clean wound that just needs sterilising. But hopefully there's no damage. So we'll, we'll know a little bit more later this afternoon or tonight. So it was spoken about it as a, a compound dislocation. Was was it not just a dislocation? Not the right phrase for it. But was there a break in there as well? No, there wasn't. There was. It was an unusual injury that his nail, his fingernail, actually pierced the skin. It went under and and, it, and totally opened the, the the skin up. So it was. They had to. Um, because of the open wound nature, and, and obviously he was, he was under extreme pain, uh, that from a point of view of not causing any more damage, that was fine. It was whether he could tolerate the pain to return the field of play and then be able to do things like catch the ball, uh, grip in the tackle. So that was some of the things he did at halftime that, that gave him confidence to go back on in the second half, and, and he did that. And 
not only did he do it, but he, he played exceptionally well and set up a really important try in the second half that levelled the scores to take a 12 all and take it to golden points. So, no, it was terrific effort by Cameron and, uh, as well as all his other teammates. How much courage did that show for, for Cam to go back out there and, as you say, not just go back out there and, and be a passenger, actually be a, a key player in, in getting the team across the line, but in terms of the discomfort and the pain that he might have been in, how, how much guts and determination did that show? Yeah, the boys take a bit of laughs because he, he's a bit of a drama queen at times. <laughs> old, uh, but um, he, he, in fairness to, to Cameron, he was, I, was, I was relaying the messages up to the coaching box. So I was going into the medical room a fair bit before half time, and he was in a lot of pain. And um, you know, I'll be honest, I didn't think he'd go back on, but uh, it just showed tremendous courage and, and bravery for him to go back on. And um, you know, and we, even when he did go on, we didn't think might not even last it. So. He did, and it was a really important part of our, our second-half uh, performance that, that got us the victory. So I guess best case is he plays next week. Is there a, is there a sort of a worst-case scenario around this injury yet? Well, it really depends. I mean, hopefully there's no damage to the, the tendons so, um, until we really he had that surgery this afternoon and the hand surgeon has a good look at it. We really don't know. But uh, we're just we're, we're hopeful um, and confident that it just needs sterilising and as I said, only uh, maybe not miss any games if you don't, maybe one or two games. So we'll know a little bit more later this afternoon and tonight, Julian. And listening to Craig last night, Frank, it sounds like Xavier Coates will, will miss a bit of footy. Yeah, he copped a, a nasty one. It's an SC uh, shoulder injury, which, again, did a new one for us. But um, it's in terms of structural damage, it's more a pain tolerance. He's in a lot of pain this morning on the flight home back to Melbourne. Uh, we'll see how that eases. We'll have scans this afternoon to ensure that, there, in fact, there's no structural damage with our doctor's confidence. So, again, so there'll be a bit of swelling and a bit of pain there for a while. So I think he'll, we'll definitely miss next week and, and maybe one or two after that as well. So, again, we'll have a, more of an idea later this afternoon and, and probably more so with Xavier over the next few days. Someone been walking under ladders or is there a black cat hanging around Amy Park at the moment? You're not having any luck on the injury front over the summer and now in the first game as well. No, it's um, yeah, it's just one of those things that was over the last probably, oh, since the middle of last year or the beginning of last year, we've had a lot of injuries. But it's like anything, Julian, I think um, you have some bad turns and all clubs go through it in, in all sports. So we're going through a bit of a, a really unlucky phase at the moment. We've just got to hang in. Uh, provide, it provides opportunities for other players. I saw, we saw two players last night make their NRL debut in Bronson Garlic, which is a great story. He was a, he's a 27-year-old player that played over 100 games at state cup level, and he's just been hanging in and hanging in, and he got his opportunity last night. He came off the bench, um, and he did really well for the team. And Will Warbrick, uh, a, a Kiwi boy that we signed about 18, 18 months ago from New Zealand, from the New Zealand Seven. P2's been hanging in over the last 18 months and he got his opportunity last night. So whilst it's disappointing to lose players through injury, everyone goes through it. But the, the great story is there's always some stories to tell about these players that get their opportunities. And we saw another last night and two players uh, make their debuts. For sure. Uh, Frank, thanks so much uh, for your time. Uh, back home next week, I'm sure there'll be a massive crowd there. Anyone that was half thinking about going will definitely be going after watch the storm last night, next Saturday night at home against the Bulldogs. Uh, thanks so much for your time, Frank. 
Thanks for your time, Julian. Much appreciated. Frank Panisi, General Manager of Football at Melbourne Storm. So fingers crossed uh, it is not serious damage uh, for Cam Munster. We'll find that out later in the day. Let's get to the news with Chelsea Ryan. Afterwards, Adam Collins live from Indoor. The second decker uh, a couple of overs ago. He's facing line here. Will he hit with the spin? To leg slip! Is that taken around the corner? Oh, that is absolutely brilliant from Stephen Smith. Pajara's gone for 59, caught in the lakeside trap. Lyon has six. A second moment of utter brilliance from Australia in the field in this final stands up. First it was Kawaja, now it's the acting captain, diving away to his right. Obscured by Alex Carey. Goodness me, how on earth has he dragged that in? Stephen Smith, you are a star. Can you bear the load? Uh, captured beautifully that moment by Adam Collins. The SEN cricket team will be back at 2.30 as the Aussies look to chase 76. Uh, Adam's been good enough to join us again from indoor. Adam, before we get stuck into all the machinations and what could play out today, in terms of catches you've seen live, where does that one from Steve Smith rate? Yeah, well, that's the first time I've heard that audio back, Jules. I did get a bit carried away, but fair enough, too. I reckon that, <laughs> I that is so. the best. That's the best leg slip catch I've ever seen. Yep. Um, due to Alex Carey's pad, couldn't see the ball. Mm. It was all instincts, and it was such a crucial moment of the game as well. You've got to layer the context on top. And Pajara on 59, he'd hit a big six the previous over. He'd identified it was the time to go. Pajara has been a nemesis for Australia like no other, going back to VVS Lakshman probably, five centuries over the years, averaging 60-odd, all the rest. And you just got the sense in that final session that Pajara was going to be there at stumps. He's such an obstinate figure. He's been such a, um, he's such a proud man as well with all that experience. And had, if he got to stumps, then, well, Australia aren't chasing 76. So that, that was the moment um, that gave Australia the chance to have such a modest chase on, on this third morning. However, in saying that, Jules... Uh, well, what do they say? Uh, life's, never, life's not meant to be easy. Well, nothing's easy in <laughs> India. Believe me, nothing is easy in this <laughs> no. part of the world. And we're not um, just talking about cricket. Uh, uh, full stop. <laughs> it's just part of the charm, I suppose. And, uh, and 76 will, won't be easy on this surface, even if it, it should be. Um, it, it will, there'll inevitably be twists and turns. If we do win the test match, it, it is the moment we look back on this match, isn't it? Because as you say, no one's looked comfortable at the crease in this test match. He was no, one no, that was I'm looking okay, uh, but that if they got another 50 runs, it would be almost, yeah. not impossible, but very difficult to chase down. No, I, I agree. If Atreus chasing 120 here, on a surface that is the moon, um, really, I mean, I'm looking at it at the moment. Uh, Steve Smith, predictably, is out there batting at the moment, shadow batting with a pad on, wearing his sponsor's hat backwards, as he does every single yes. day. He's always the first man out there. Um, if they're chasing 120, we're having a different conversation, right? So, And there's another moment as well. On any other day, the Usman Kawaja catch just after yes. tea is the one we're talking about. And it wasn't just after tea. It was 25 minutes of madness from India. It was. Mm-hmm. In, a good, in a good way. Like Shreyas Iyer just decided, despite the fact that he was on a pair, to go nuts. Two massive sixes, which were completely against the flow of play before tea. Uh, they put on 38 in 36 balls, I think. And most of those runs were, were in, the, in the couple of overs before his dismissal. And he clipped that and timed that to perfection. And Kawaja diving away to his left like a soccer goalkeeper to keep a penalty out of the bottom corner. The difference being he didn't parry the ball away. He came up with it. 
And I don't know how he contorted his arms in such a way that he was able to do so, but that was the first piece of fielding. 36-year-old. Um, there were reports yesterday from inside the Australian camp that he had a bad back, which is why he was off the field. Came back just before T, and after T, pulling off that screamer. Shreyas Iyer bats for another 45 minutes, and they're, they're well above a lead of 100. So... Those two moments, the two veterans, Kawaja and Smith, made all the difference on the second day. Do we know how uh, Kolo Usman Kawaja is going physically? We know he spent time off the field. He came back on and took yeah. that great catch. Do we know how he's, how he's going? The word is referred pain from um, the back to the calf. But look, to be honest with you, the fact that he was out there yesterday and he was sweeping the boundary in the last, oh, last 45 minutes of play, he was used as a boundary rider. So if he's physically... Um, fine to, to perform that role with a lot of running around and I, I don't think it's a, a real issue. It must have just been some... I think it was some cramp that initially set in after his long innings the previous day um, in, in tough conditions. But no, I, I wouldn't think that's a huge concern. So what's the approach here from, from both teams? I assume someone like Travis Head just goes out and plays his natural game. What about yep. India? Is it just open up with the spinners? How do you think they're going to approach trying to restrict us straight to less than 76? Well, I, well, yes, about head. Uh, hard new ball, hitting through the line of it. I think they just need to give him license to be Travis Head. He doesn't need to do anything out of the ordinary. He just needs to play the way that he plays. I know the conditions won't make that easy, far from it. But if he can bat, I mean, we're talking about length of time, right? Like um, Peter Hanscom's contribution was so important because mm. he faced 98 balls. Just for a brief period of time, 60 minutes yesterday, the sting was taken out of the test. Now, I know that's followed by a 6-for-11 collapse, but the way that Hanscom and Green set the day up gave Australia the chance to get to that lead of 88 because they took the sting out of it. That's not Head's game. Head's game is to kind of match them, punch for punch, the Indian spinners. So that'll be interesting off the top. As for the Indians, I mentioned Ashwin and Jadeja. They'll bowl the whole innings. I'd be flabbergasted mm. if anyone else is given the ball. Um, Ashwin was frustrated on day one. He was brilliant yesterday when brought into the attack after drinks, the collapse of 6-for-11. I saw another collapse of 6-for-11 at Bangalore in 2017 when Australia were chasing about 130 to win. And that was all Ashwin. And that was one of the, the best spells of bowling I've ever witnessed. So um, he can do this. Ashwin is the kind of guy who can do something special. And Jadeja has got 21 wickets in the series and been utterly dominant. So if anyone's going to pull off a miracle, it's going to be these two on a surface like this. Remembering that the lowest target ever defended in Test cricket is... Uh, is 82, I think I'm right in saying. That was at the Oval in 1882, which is um, <laughs> which, which gives you some sense of how far we have to go back to see something like this. But these are the preconditions, I suppose. Uh, an Australian batting lineup who have battled badly in the second innings at Nagpur and Delhi, so there's a little bit of a little bit of baggage there. Ashwin Jadeja, two of the greatest spinners in the history of the game, on a surface that yeah, the Moon or Roland Garros, one or the other. Yeah, we don't want to uh, break that record. We don't want that one on on our uh, record no. books. Just a couple around the pitch. We just had a couple of callers earlier in the show asking, how does it work with, with curators in India? Does each, each ground, I assume, has their own curator? But a couple of people sent through, there's a head curator in India that travels around to all the grounds. Is that right? Yeah, that, that's correct. So, uh, And the head curator... I took a photo of him. Uh, we've got the long lens out at lunch on day one when Rahul Dravid, the Indian coach, um, went straight out to the pitch with the head curator and was asking some questions, I suppose. We're reading a bit into the body language there. But you, you, you can probably imagine at 7 for 84, having won the toss and batted, what, what the Indian coach thought of what was going on out there in the middle. Because the problem is, pitches like this do turn it into a little bit of a lottery. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, move, it, it, it tilts so far in favour of ball over bat that no how good a player you are, 
uh, and no matter how well you're playing, it, it, there can be a delivery which, excuse the cliche, but has your has your name on it. Um, and that, yeah, I, I think that's where the, the balance goes from being super competitive and really difficult, as it should be in India. It should be hard to bat here. It should be difficult to score runs and to and to withstand the pressure created by bowlers like Ashwin and Jadeja. But then it it flips to the point where the ball's exploding through the surface on the first morning like we saw, and it's continued to explode the whole way through the the two days. You see these Mm. massive puffs of dust, and that's when it becomes, as I say, a bit of a lottery. No one really knows what's going on. So um, the assessment of Ravi Shastri, who's our colleague on SEN Test Cricket this week and the former Indian coach, he's been around Indian cricket for four decades, he knows everything that goes on here, is that they've just made it too dry. They tried to leave a bit more water in it in the middle of the pitch, but at either end, just back of a good length, is where the abrasion starts. And that is so dry that um, it, I suppose that the pitch was always going to play this way. So, um, yeah, it, I mean, it's, it, it is tailor-made to the extent that they obviously knew what they were doing. Um, but, um, yeah, it's backfired this week, having a pitch that's spun this much because it ended up being a magnificent toss to lose for Steve Smith. Lucky Australia went batting on morning one, put it that way. Just a quick one before I let you go. Does the result of this test match change the way that wicket for the next test might be prepared, given if Australia's 2-1, India, they've got the trophy, but they want to win the series. They don't want a tied series. Would that change at all anything to do with the pitch for the next test? Absolutely. Now, here's why. If Australia win this test match, this is the sort of meta-narrative of today, right? If Australia win, they're through to the World Test Championship final. If India win, they're through to the World Test Championship final. If, if, if India don't win, and they, you know, India, India should lose this from here, they will need to win next week to ensure their progress. Otherwise, Sri Lanka can pip them at the post if they beat New Zealand 2-0. And they're very mindful of that. Rohit Sharma, the Indian captain, spoke in his pre-game press conference about, well, if they win here at Indoor... They might prepare a green seamer at Ahmedabad next week because they want to have the preparation for the Oval in England. So they were probably one step ahead of themselves here in talking about that um, before the indoor test match. But if Australia win here and India needs to win next week, well, I can't imagine they're going to roll out, um, roll out, you know, a, a Bell Reeve Oval style green seamer or anything like that. They'll they'll be they'll be duty bound to prepare a pitch that um, suits their speciality of spin, but. If they overcook it like they have here, it becomes the lottery that I, I referred to before. So they might have to go with a, a surface that's better designed for batting and, and try and play it uh, the long way, the old school way, and grind Australia into the dust. So that, that will be fascinating. Only one certainty today, Colo. This will be the final day of the Test match. That's about the only certainty. Yeah, the only other certainty is we'll be in the pub somewhere about 2 o'clock. <laughs> um, get the Hawaiian shirts out, dancing on the butt. No. None of that. But no, that, that, that is true. Um, we know it'll be one session. It'll be 90 minutes of um, madness. I suspect there'll be more interest in this 90 minutes of cricket than any Australian away test in modern memory. We've seen them in England where there have been enormous tension and all the rest of it. That's in the middle of the night. This is prime time, right? So uh, where else would you want to be but tuned in to SEN to hear our call? Um, I have Ravi Shastri with me off the top. Our pregame begins half an hour before the first delivery. Can't wait, Adam. Uh, thanks again for your time on the run home. Can't wait, Jules. It's going to be special. More on the run home after the break. Thanks to Berwick BMW, Foxtel and Anytime Fitness. Uh, this is the one. The only issue will be if uh, Big Ned Reeves' head is, hits the ground. The intent of the tackle was great because you know, that's how you want people to tackle. But it's just the follow through. So that was didn't day. have malice to it. No malice. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it, was a ta- it was a tackle that uh, they want you to be careful on. Careless, low impact 
nothing to worry about for Jordan Degoe. I would have thought that would be a fine and therefore free to play in round one against the Cats at the MCG. He was good yesterday. 31 disposals, 13 inside 50s, eight clearances and 789 metres gain. So it's been a... It's been a low-key summer for Jordan Degoe. That's what you want. He's fit. No real injury problems, apart from a little bit of a setback just before Christmas. Uh, and he looks in great nick going into the season. So as Kane Corn said this morning, I mean, he, he could win a brown line. He, his best is that good. If he can play enough football this year and have an impact like he did uh, in some big games late last year, who knows what Jordan Degoe uh, can do this season. Uh, the other practice matches uh, to round out uh, the final preparations ahead of round one. St Kilda Essendon today as well as Sydney Carlton, West Coast Adelaide, and then tomorrow it's the Giants who didn't have a game last week against the Suns. The Bulldogs are similar. Uh, they will take on North Melbourne and Melbourne uh, v Richmond uh, to round it out. Thank you very much. Rod, we'll have some time maybe for some quick calls after we speak to Lindsay Smith uh, just out of two o'clock. Uh, just a quick sports update uh, for Simmons Holmes, uh, the great Australian builder. Uh, Vic's currently four for 108, chasing New South Wales first innings of 203. Marcus Harris was the latest to go. He made 53. Uh, Liam Hatcher got him out. He's got a couple of wickets. Hatcher, Callaway, eight not out, has been joined at the crease by the in-form Matt Short, just a few off the 40 winks. Uh, temper had plenty come through. Plenty about the cricket. Um, the most gut-churning part of this run chase is that even if we get to none for 50, the Aussie viewers won't feel safe, the Australian batters won't feel safe, and the Indian bowlers will still feel they have a genuine chance. Uh, I think Head needs to play his game and try and smash the quick 20 to 30, then let the rest just tick the, rest just tick the score over. As for the footy, the cricket will be done before the footy starts, says the Gold Coast Crow. Uh, a couple of uh, coming through about uh, the Finn McGuinness tagging uh, Nick Dacos. Uh, mixed uh, reactions. Some saying, well, why wouldn't you do it? It's a it's a practice game. He's your tagger. You want him to practice tagging. Others think it's a little bit uh, too much uh, for a uh, practice match. Um, and I did mention earlier it was a bit bruise-free. Now, Catter says there was 92 tackles. Uh, in the game, which is not bruise-free. That's not an extraordinary amount of tackles in modern-day footy. 46 for each team, roughly. And there's tackling, and then there's you know tackling with intent, tackling to hurt. I don't think there was much of that uh, going on in the game yesterday. So we'll have a, a bit of time, and I've got some prizes to give away. So after we speak to Lindsay Smith after two, we'll open up the King Island Open Line, play King Island's Pure Links golf courses. Any engage are going to do that on Monday and Tuesday. Not sure the weather's going to be great for them, so I hope their game uh, stacks up. This is the run home for Berwick BMW. Book your service today at Berwick BMW. Foxtel, footy live in 4K Ultra HD only on Foxtel. And Anytime Fitness, make your own rules at Anytime Fitness. Before we get to the news, a quick update, uh, golf update for Golf 24. Practice play compete 24-7 indoors. Indoor golf centres open 24-7. Practice play and compete on the world's best course. I'll tell you, someone who's having a whale of a time. John Rahm. Already, he's won three tournaments. Arnold Palmer Invitational, first round this morning, seven under. Top of the leaderboard by two. So what a season or start to the season he is having. Uh, Masters not too far away. Afterwards, a bit of horse racing with Lindsay Smith. Welcome back to the show. Not too far away from getting over to indoor for day three and the final day of the test match between India and Australia, the third test. If you've been living under a rock, Australia needs 76 
uh, to win in the last innings of the match. We'll open up the King Island open line in a sec. Play King Island's Pure Links golf courses. Now, Lisa has jumped on the line. Now, Lisa, why are we calling, please? Hi, Gillian. I heard the secret sound. <sighs> Just before two o'clock. Was it, was, it, uh, was it subtle or did you hear it straight away? Uh, no, I heard it straight away. Very it's good. It's a strange noise. <laughs> Can you try and do the noise for us? That's what the boys no, are... No, okay. I can't. So no. you're smarter than all the callers who get sucked into that. <laughs> uh, well done, Lisa. This is the day to call because we've got a heap of prizes uh, to give away. A $200 ballpark voucher, thanks to Lumo Energy. So if you just jump on the SEN website and uh, go to the ballpark s- section... You'll see all the events that's available uh, for uh, a bottle of Starwood Twofold Double Grain Australian Whiskey, thanks to Hairy Dog Summer of Aussie Spirits, uh, hairydog.com.au, and also a $40 voucher thanks to Perla. Premium teas without the price tag, get perla.com. So uh, good timing to hear the sound, Lisa. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Have a lovely weekend. Uh, so just keep your ear out. Rod's very tricky with his secret sound. You never know. Uh, when it is going to come. Uh, we're just trying to get on to Lindsay Smith to chat about the Australian Guineas Day tomorrow. He's got Tuvalu running in the group two. Blamey Stakes also back up next week uh, in the All-Star Mile. So not getting through at the moment. I uh, just want to play a little bit of audio from David King this morning. Loves a big prediction, uh, David King, as we all do at this time of the year. And uh, it's fair to say he's very bullish on what Tim Taranto can do as a Tiger in 2023. I think Richmond are the real wild card for me. You know, I see, I see Tim Taranto come into that lineup. I think he'll be a top five player in the competition this year, whether he's kicking goals or bursting from the middle. He's he's another one of those players that don't quite get, they don't quite get the raps they deserve for what they've been at the Giants. He comes to a big power base now. He'll be the face of Richmond halfway through the year. And I know that they've got Dustin Martin and Tom Lynch and Jack Rewalt and all these guys. So that was King of yesterday at the Fox Footy launch, uh, speaking with Jared. Top five in the competition for Tim Taranto. Has anyone out there got any thoughts on that? Is that possible for Tim Taranto? Is there another player you really think can elevate and become a, an absolutely elite player in the competition? I mean, if you look at it right now, Tim Taranto is not in the top five players at Richmond. He's, he's not Dustin Martin. He's not, I think, Dion Prestia. He's not Tom Lynch. He's not Shea Bolton. Is he better player than Liam Baker right now off, off the last couple of years? I'm not too sure. So it's a bold call from David King. If you agree, disagree, or got another player you think can really elevate their game in 2023, give us a call on the King Island open line. Play King Island's Pure Links golf courses, one 736 or send us through a 40 wings temper, 0433 Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 winks, serious about sleep. Uh, Joe from Robles called in. I don't think he gives a stuff about Tim Taranto. He wants to talk about the Hawks. G'day, Joe. G'day, Jules. How are you? It's been a while since I've spoken to you. Yeah, how are you going? Yeah, not bad, mate. It's Friday and I'm happy. Um, are you getting a bit worried about the Hawthorne Essendon game? Did you see the Hawks uh, last night against Hollywood? They looked pretty impressive. Hey, Joe, have you, have, you, have you seen Essendon's last 20 years? I get nervous in intra-clubs that we're going to lose. So I'm, I'm certainly nervous coming up against anyone in round one. Yeah. You know what, what I saw yesterday, Jules? I just wish that Clarkson had done this, go down the youth college a bit earlier. He was trying to top up with players like Amira. Not saying that they weren't good players, but I don't think it's the right way to go. I mean, Mitchell's got a plan, and 
is going to stick to it. And the, the players, you can see the expressions on their face, Jules. They look like they actually love and enjoy playing the game. They look so happy yesterday on the field, you know. They made a few mistakes, but they just they all look like they're on the same page. And that's all you can ask for as a, as a supporter. What did you like in terms of some individuals yesterday, Joe? What did you like? Well, I liked the new boy, um, Cam uh, McKenzie. Very good. <laughs> he looked really good. Plenty of poise for a, a young kid. And I think Connor McDonald's actually improved from last year, from what I saw, making good decisions. And, um, yeah, I mean, Kaczynski looked pretty good, missed a few easy shots, took a few good hangers. But things are looking up, Jules. They're looking up. We're not going to be down there for too long, I tell you. Well, history says in the last 60 years, that's spot on, Joe, that the Hawks, uh, they aren't down for too long. I guess 99 to 2008 was tough. But uh, the history since 1961 is the Hawks are regularly in grand finals and winning premierships. So it's going to be a big game round one. Hawthorne Essendon, I think it, what is it, 40 years since the 83 grand final. So it's a big day for the Hawks, of course. Next two years, it'll be 40 years since 84, 85. So the Essendon home games will be a celebration of those uh, ones. I'll take you along, Rod. But the Bombers are way on top here. Oh, they were in 85 by 78 points. Uh, Joe, thanks for your call. Let's get to uh, Billy in Ascot Bay. G'day, Billy. Yeah, hi, Jules. Yeah, look, uh, don't get me wrong, Taranto's definitely a, a very good player, but the top five, I think, King is, uh, I don't know what he had for breakfast, but um, I rate uh, to Cody from Geelong, probably a bit higher than Taranto in the top five, and I think Darcy from the Bulldogs is not quite there, but he's going to be there, but definitely Nick Dacos, for me, is definitely ahead of Taranto. Yeah, well, yeah, who knows what Nick Dacos can produce this year after what he did. I think King, he, he spoke about it a bit more this morning with Kane. I think he did make a relevant point. I don't agree that I don't think Tim Taranto will be a top five player in the competition by the end of the year, but I, I think he makes a fair point. Some of the players that do play outside of Melbourne, we probably don't rate as highly as we should. We don't just see them in the flesh as much. So I think there's a bit of relevance in, in what he says there, but yeah, he's a very good player and uh you know, as Kingy said, he's got you know he can be inside, he can be outside, and he he can go forward and kick a goal. So he's going to be a great asset for Richmond if he improves that much in his top five. It's hard to see Richmond not winning the flag, uh, to be honest. But I think they'll be in the top four mix uh, anyway this year. The Tigers. Let's get to Phil in Clyde North, who's got a top five suggestion for us. Yeah, Phil. Yeah, g'day, Jules. How you going? I'm good, mate. How are you? Good. I just I reckon he's been a bit forgotten the last couple of years with injuries and that. But um, potentially, I think Jade Gresham, if he can have a good run, you know, everyone sort of saw maybe three years ago, you know, the sort of player he could be. Potentially our best player, and I reckon he could elevate himself into one of those spots if he has a good run with injuries. That's a really good call. He's such an important player to St Kilda. You know, the Saints have got a little bit of same-same about them in their midfield group. But Gresham offers that difference with speed and, and the sidestep and, and his ability uh, to hit the scoreboard. Uh, that's, a, that's a really good call, Phil. Uh, 18 holes of golf for you and a mate with a cart at Club Mandalay. During the week, get 18 holes of golf for two with drinks and a cart for just 99 bucks. Visit clubmandalay.com.au. Uh, let's get to Mark in Paran, who's got a similar suggestion. We read the top five. G'day, Mark. Yeah, g'day, mate. How are you? Um, look, uh, yeah, Torino's a good player, don't get me wrong, but uh, the bloke I reckon is going to have a really big year this year, uh, similar to what he did in 2018. There's Jordan to go at Collingwood. I reckon he's primed and he's ready to go, uh, mate, because uh, just with that help from Tom Mitchell on the inside now to help out Tyler Adams, blokes like Chris, but the going in particular, I reckon he's going to have a huge year this year if he stays injury-free. 
Yeah, good call, Mark. He, he looked awesome yesterday. He looks prime fitness. And uh, we saw when he came back late last year, he is Collingwood's, I would say he's Collingwood's most important player. He, he's the one that can win games uh, off his own boot, whether it's as a forward or a clearance type player uh, in the midfield. Signet Power Boost Power Bank coming your way, valued at forty four ninety five. A Signet Boost Power Bank will keep your phone, tablet and earbuds powered. 24 hours a day. Thank you, A-Rod. Uh, thanks for your call, Mark. So getting plenty of traffic off the 40 Winks uh, temper here. Remember, Taranto was GWS's best on ground in the 2019 grand final in 22. Now at the AFL's best club with all the supports and systems, he will boom, look out, says Craig. Another one, no way Taranto's top five. Oliver, Petraka, Neil, Bontepalli, Cripps, Walsh, McRae, Dunkley, Brayshaw, etc. There's a long list of guys he needs to leapfrog. Uh, hi, Jules. I feel Oscar Allen of West Coast is going to announce himself as a superstar this year. Caleb Sarong says our uh, intrepid uh, Fremantle producer, Lincoln Allen, a very good player, very, very good player. Uh, JK retired last year, and Darling has always been a support support act, talent by the bucket load. Yeah, can play. Oscar Allen, no doubt uh, about that. It's another one saying, look, t- I think Tim Turan... Yeah, he's been going really well. Yeah, he started to join in some footy drills and... Um... Yeah, it's probably a bit too early to say if he'll be there round one or not. But um, you know, certainly looking, he's looking, um, you know, fit and he's moving around that forward line. He looks happy to be back out on the track. That's for sure. That was Sean Grigg, Geelong assistant coach, speaking after the Cats' defeat to the Lions uh, last night by forty-six points about Tom Hawkins. So, touch and go round one. It sounds probably more unlikely than likely. But Jeremy Cameron didn't play last night. He will come back into the side. Just one. Sort of concern was the uh, concussion to Jake Collar Jazz. He had a couple of them uh, last year, so I'm sure that's one uh, the Cats are monitoring uh, pretty closely. But uh, now they'll just build up for that big game. That a big game, Friday night round one, Geelong v Collingwood at the MCG. Big weekend of sport, as we know, AFL practice matches, uh, the cricket tonight, Super Rugby round, NRL uh, round one, plenty of A League as well. Uh, a League update for Werribee Isuzu Ute. They make buying cars easy. So tonight, Adelaide host Melbourne City. Tomorrow, Western United host Perth. And the Big Blue tomorrow night, Sydney FC versus Melbourne Victory. So, huge game. That is always on the A-League character uh, calendar. Uh, Werribee Isuzu Ute, upgrade your old Ute into a D-Max now. They're paying top dollar for trade-ins. Plenty of uh, feedback on the 40 Wings temper. Some love for Rod. Loving the Griswolds theme music, says Susan. Uh, Luke Davies Uniac will be an All-Australian this year, says Damien. Now, Tom. Tom from Geelong. I'll take your money, mate. Jules, take it to the bank. Nat Fife wins the Coleman medal this year if he can avoid injury. Not going to happen. Looked good last night. Kick three. We know he can play forward. He ain't going to win the Coleman. But uh, I could be proven wrong. Uh, Barry says Chera is going to elevate himself this year. <laughs> Australian cricket supporters, you know what it feels like to be a Saints supporter. Optimism constantly undermined by a sense of dread. Thanks for your text, Ross. Ross Fregel talk. Please, Gresham wouldn't start in the midfield in 15 of 18 sides in the comp, says Shooter and Kilsyth. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. It's an interesting point, talking about uh, Nick Dacos being tagged yesterday. I tend to agree with this one from Lee. Uh, you, the Pies would have been over the moon seeing Dacos, Dacos getting tagged in a practice match. It's the perfect time for him to work through it because he's going to get it in the season proper. Yeah, that's a fair point, Lee. Tim Taranto is a good solid player, but he doesn't have any noticeable weapons, therefore cannot be in the conversa- conversation top fires players in the comp. To go for the Brownlow, you can't be serious. Very talented, yes, but a Brownlow? Impossible, says Craig. More chance to go wins the Brownlow 
then Fife wins the Coleman. Let's get to Luke, who wants to chat about the Saints. G'day, Luke. Hey, Jules. How are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, no complaints here, matey. Good. Um, the Saints, is it, is it their 150th year this it year? It is. It sure is. Yeah, well, it's a proud history, isn't it? Oh, it one it's... flag by one point. Like, what a great club they are, aren't they? Well, they haven't had the premiership success. There's no doubt about that. But the history of your footy club, Luke's more about pre- more than premierships, isn't it? I mean, they have produced some of the greatest players the game has ever seen. Bulldog, Stewart, Lockett, Harvey, Revolt. I mean, they've produced some great players. Revolt never played in the flag. Oh, that doesn't mean that. But that doesn't mean that doesn't make the difference between being a great player or not being a great player. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. But the club, like 150 years, one flag, take one by one point. They're 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 very sad, aren't they? Who do you follow, Luke? North Melbourne. I've witnessed four. Premierships in my lifetime. No, North had a good. Uh, it's been tough lately, but they've certainly since the uh, the seventies have had a pretty good run. But look, there is one solace in it, though, isn't there? What is it? Well, who'd they beat in the grand final by a point? <laughs> uh, granted, that Jules. I think that, that counts as they should get multiple premierships for that. They did. They did. <laughs> well, get on to get on to the bombers. Eh? Let's get on to the yard mob. <laughs> oh, I'm like you, Luke. I've seen four flags in my 